0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Constructed Criticism Network. This network is here to help you improve and Magic: the gathering at every level. From popper Leagues to Top 1000 Mythic, we've got you covered. If you want to hear the entire network, head on over to our sponsor at puremtgo.com, where you can hear each and every show, each and every week, and check out their sponsor, MDGO Traders, and tell them that the CCMTG Network sent you. Now sit back, enjoy the show, from YouTube, podcasts, and more, here's this week's episode from ConstructedCriticism.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode one hundred and fifty four of the Common Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm joined by our co-host Adam. What's up, man?
1: It's it's been an exciting couple of weeks, but we actually had a little bit of a exciting news drop today.
0: That's great. We actually didn't catch up much before the show, so this will be the first time I'm hearing it as well.
1: So for those who have followed Me, before I started on this show, Homeward Path, you may have remembered I had a guest host on the show at some point named Brian Canada, who does the YouTube series where he is attempting to build every single commander as its own deck. He and I have been friends for a long time. He was one of my oldest magic friends to the point that he was one of the first people I played with at my first LGS in 2004. We found out this week uh, he just got the keys to reopen his personal game store in Jackson, Tennessee. Heck yeah, man. Uh, what's it going to be called? Canada's Collectible Games. And it is going to be, for your excitement, directly off Interstate 40.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I'm uh, I'm in Jackson, Tennessee a lot. So or at least going they, uh... through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time I'm there, I'll have to stop in.
1: Well, we're still in the, the early parts of like setup and whatnot, but he got the keys today. We're going to get started moving stuff in and getting inventory built up, but I'm excited to have my FLGS back, my friendly local game store. <laughs> a lot of people forget that first letter.
0: That's a really great news. Going to be playing a lot of popper there, I hope.
1: I intend to try.
0: <laughs> Outside of that, what else has been going on for you this week?
1: The, old, the same old, same old, right? We've been in a struggle with rental car companies and insurance companies because I've been trying to get my body work done on my car after somebody sideswiped me a couple months ago. But outside of that, nothing particularly out of the ordinary.
0: I'm really, again, just floored to hear that you guys have another LGS opening up in a Jackson. I don't know of any, like, big ones out there. I could be missing one that like, I just don't know about.
1: The one that I know of off the top of my head is Nerdvana, and they are as much like a GameStop competitor as they are an LGS. So... Well... Having an actual proper LGS again is going to be wonderful.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Before we get too far into this episode though, I do need to remind everyone that Common Knowledge and all of the podcasts on the Constructive Criticism Network are sponsored by PureMTGO.com We also have another sponsor that we unveiled in our last episode that, uh, Adam, I believe has prepared maybe the greatest ad (laughs) I've ever seen for it. Uh,
1: any, any time you get to make a joke like this, man. So for those of you who may or may not know me, I've lived kind of in two major like demographic areas. I've lived in the, the mid South and in the plains in my life. And it's weird when you live down South because the cities never seem to be laid out very well. Roads go everywhere. There's no rhyme or reason to why this road is here and like how far, how many streets over this next one is. It just doesn't make any sense a lot of the time. And in part that's because they never expected the cities to grow and they sure never expected to like have to make it make sense later. Contrast that with being up North and, The city I lived in, in North Dakota, Minot, had three major thoroughfares going through it. You had Broadway, University, and uh, Highway 2. And everything else was laid out based on their relation to those roads. If it was going east to west, it it was one numbering system. If it was going north to south, it was a different numbering system. If it was going in a diagonal, it was another one, but it was always whatever street, southwest or northwest, or, you know. And it was really easy to pinpoint what parts of town you were in, what you were looking to find. Everything about it was really simple, efficient, elegant, and made it really easy to find entertainment when you're in college. And I say all of that to say that if you're looking for your. Entertainment and Magic the Gathering. Maybe you need to stick with the simple, efficient system they have over at GameGrid. City planning joke in an ad read. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, GameGrid is great. We're happy to have them supporting the show as well as the network in general. Um, you can check out their website in the description down below and make sure to use coupon code CKMTG for 10% off of your order. Again, that's CKMTG. Get 10% off. No, there are a few other ways to support the show, though. You know, you can like and share this video, subscribe to the Construct Criticism YouTube channel, and check out our Patreon. With that out of the way, we can finally get on with the planned show for the week. I guess I'll go ahead and start off. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to play much popper this week i've played too much popper this week
1: sounds like a good problem to have considering our line of work here
0: <laughs> so actually i guess i'll go ahead and lead it off um i've been playing a lot of different versions of teamer and a lot of different versions of blue red fairies i kind of had this feeling you know i know that we've talked about it the past couple of weeks that teamer or green red ponza made rangy is probably the best deck in the format and I also felt like Blue Red Fairies is like always a contender to be the best deck in the format.
1: It's never so, the worst deck.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, both of the decks have a honestly a lot in common in that they can interact early, albeit in different ways. Then they look to establish some sort of engine that nets them cards that allows them to just keep going. Like the engine plays into itself, right? Yeah. So with fairies, again, I know that we've talked about it ad nauseum, right? Like it's the ability to buy back your ways to scry and your counter spells while drawing cards and, you know, hitting through the air. And then with, um, you know, the green, red mid range deck, right? You're just going to cantrip creature into cantrip creature into ramp. And like, it's all just going to compound with each other. Um, so both of the decks actually play really similarly, not necessarily had the best results with them. But most of it, I feel, is human error, obviously still learning a lot as we all are about the game. And I think that um, I definitely now feel more convinced that green, red midrange is one of the two or three best decks in the format. And I think is it fairies is up there and the best three decks
1: as well. That puts you very much at odds with the entirety of Twitter that I read today.
0: Hey, that's OK. <laughs> You've been uh, playing any cool decks?
1: Uh, not really anything cool. I've just been trying to make mono blue great. Still fine. I don't know yeah. if I'd go as far as to say it's great, but it's fine. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, at this point, mono blue isn't cool, but it is your child and you have to live
1: with it. Yes, it's my baby. Yeah, well, I got to use these <laughs> skills for something.
0: Right. And honestly, the uh, this really segments well into our main topic. Which just, we wanted to take a non-results based look at the meta. So obviously with any um, overarching view of the meta, right, like we're gonna have to reference results we're going to have to reference list that we took a look, list that we got from challenges and stuff like that and we do need to note what has actually been performing well but we really want to break down what we feel the top decks are from a gameplay perspective yes so you know i think the uh, question that's top of mind for twitter and really pretty much every popper discussion i've gotten into on the internet and actually in person with a few guys locally is basically centers around one question and that's whether or not Affinity is the best deck in the format. <laughs> I don't know what you think, so it might be best for you to lead because you definitely know what I think. After hearing yeah. Me. yeah.
1: So for me, Affinity is almost exactly what it is in any other format that I've ever seen it be good in, whether it was modern or during even its time in Standard when it actually was bannable but like it's a really powerful synergy deck if all of your pieces show up if you are allowed to do the thing that you want to do it is really hard for anybody else to keep up with you playing fair but there's that caveat if you are allowed to do what you want to do it kind of reminds me of the garuda deck in standard, I guess like about a year ago, feels like we've had five years in one year now, but <laughs> when we first got Ikoria mm-hmm. and the Garuda deck was everywhere and everybody was blowing it up, like, we gotta ban this card, it's way too powerful, and then people remembered that spells existed.
0: My opinion on the Affinity deck is, I think it's definitely powerful, right? It gets to play what's arguably the best card advantage engine in the format. It gets to play Deadly Dispute, Thought Cast, and things to sacrifice that benefit from being sacrificed, right? Like cards that whenever they ETB or leave the battlefield, do something. Yeah. So it definitely does a good job at fighting through interaction. My thing about Affinity is that I think everybody kind of defines best deck differently. Yeah. And I fear that whenever we talk about the best deck, we send the wrong message. So with Affinity, right, I definitely think the deck warps the format. I think you'd be crazy not to say that. Like all white decks are playing three to four dust to dust. Uh, green, red, you know, usually play six to eight sideboard slots for it. Blue, red plays, you know, four to five, which seems about normal. But when you think about every other deck, they normally only dedicate one or two slots for because they have so much selection. is actually a lot more. Blue, black, you know, dedicates, honestly, quite a bit to it as well. Um, with some of the stuff that they bring in, like they play like more Hydro Blast and stuff. So it definitely warps the format in a way, but I don't think that's the same thing as being the best deck. No, I so would agree. How I'm kind of getting to this, right, is there are decks in this format, the deck that I think is the best deck in the format, can play eight sideboard slots for affinity and already have a sort of reasonable matchup where you're winning that match most of the time with your eight sideboard slots. You know, honestly, you bring in about 10 cards in the deck that I'm talking about. But the deck, Green Red Midrange, has such a reasonable matchup against every other deck in the field. Except so maybe Blue Black Fairies, but even then, I still think it's not that bad. Where your other five sideboard slots can cover the rest of the field. Especially whenever you get into some of the cards that you're playing now in that deck have overlap with something like um, a Boggles or the Bridge decks or a Boros Monarch, right? Again, I think Affinity does warp the format. But the way that decks can effectively have so much hate and hate them out and still have reasonable matchups against the rest of the field, again, Blue-Black Fairies does this very well if you're not interested in playing, you know, green-red, that it's hard for me to call Affinity the best deck, especially because, like, if you're just playing a super fast deck, a deck that just does its thing consistently, I think you can get under the clunky draws that Affinity has, even if those clunky draws appear less.
1: Going to looking at the results, we've seen several instances of like linear ignore what your opponent's doing aggro decks in top eight slots. The most recent one, there was boggles and there was burn. Both. If burn is winning an event, the format is not completely destroyed.
0: You know, I really don't want to hinge this on like one challenge's results or whatever, you know. From the observations that I have, you know, like I think you could even make a solid argument that affinity is banable given the amount that it warps the format. Yeah. But whenever I see like, hey, Affinity is the best deck, I think it is a fundamental miscommunication that discourages innovation from a format that really has a lot of viable decks. Which you know kind of gets me into part two of this. I think that there's really a top, you know, four decks in the format. But I think there are tons of decks that could be viable under the right conditions. Yep. Um, I know that you feel sort of similarly. I don't know like, if you have a tier list in your mind of like what decks are viable if I wanted to go win at my local LGS or a challenge tomorrow.
1: There's a couple that come to mind. I've been on the receiving end of some unfortunate <laughs> events from some of them. The Familiars deck is one of them that comes to my mind. We, we said that on one of the previous episodes. It feels like the best deck that nobody's playing.
0: Yeah, I think Familiars is definitely up there. It's, again, just one of those decks that creates its own value engine while also disrupting you, right? And sometimes the cards that disrupt you also create the value engine. I think Familiars is definitely up there. You know, obviously, you talked about it. A lot of people are going like, hey, where is aggro in this meta? I think aggro actually just sort of is revealing itself in slightly different ways, which it has tended to do in yeah. Pauper. So Red, Black, Burn is an example. Also Boggles is an example. It's like a go-tall aggro strategy or a yeah. spell-based aggro strategy.
1: Like Just because it's not small animals committing acts of graphic violence upon your opponent's face doesn't mean it's not aggro.
0: Obviously, again, you know, I think I've rounded out the rest of my top three like already, you know, blue red fairies boros on art.
1: we agree on blue red yeah and red green we agree on both of those those are phenomenal
0: yeah
1: acid moss fetching snow lands feels unfair somehow it just it's one of those cards like i have vivid memories of playing you know three mana land destruction spell into acid moss when they were in standard and getting to do it in pauper is just like you know being a teenager in the best possible way all over again.
0: <laughs> yeah, we um sharing a screenshot in like a small Discord group that I'm a part of of people that I'm trying to get to play Popper, of like my turn two is at the end of the turn, I leave with six available mana for my next turn on turn three and have blown up an opponent's land. Forest, Arbor Elf, Untap, Forest, Utopia, Sprawl, make four mana with the other Forest and Arbor Elf. Blow up your land, fetch another land, and then all of a sudden on the next turn you have at least six mana if you draw a land.
1: Magic is fun, kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, obviously that's like a dream scenario, but a lot right. of makes the deck really good. Is like if I go turn one Arbor Elf and you go like turn one, you know, mm-hmm. Mountain Bolt the Arbor Elf, I'm still gonna have the availability to next turn go like Forest. Attach Utopia Sprawl to my other forest and foretell a uh, Pac Mate. And all of a sudden, like, I feel like I executed what my deck's real game plan is, anyways, which is just like prepare to play creatures that draw cards.
1: All your removal spells are bad now. Let's have a good day.
0: <laughs> you know, I think another thing that helps a lot of these decks that I view as the best decks is they have diversity in how the decks are built. Um, that's a strength of blue-red. You know, we were going through a blue-red list recently, and I was looking at it, and I was like, man, this deck has, like, eight flex slots and 12 cantrips. I'm kind of looking at the deck, like, sort of playing, like, a 22-card sideboard here, which, like, really helps if I want to dedicate six cards my actual sideboard to Affinity. Like, the fact that, like, I can go, like, double fire ice, double spell pierce, double abrade. Or, like, cut one of those six cards and play a Crimson Fleet Commodore to have, like, something big to close the game quickly against the other, like, um, slower decks. And to establish the Monarch, which is a great way to win in
1: those matchups. Yeah,
0: because that that deck is
1: phenomenal with the Monarch. (laughs) Or,
0: you know, you can cut a lot of those cards entirely and play eight ninjas and twelve fairies. There's just a lot of diversity in how those decks can be built. And I feel exactly the same way about um, Boros, right? Boros doesn't have that card selection, but it draws so many cards and has so many ways to delay the game that as well as having these micro archetypes, you can also afford to play like a random abrade somewhere to hedge against, you know, other monarch decks, for example.
1: Boros is one of my, I can't get my, my, my list down because of all of the different options, right? Like, I can't figure out which selection of them I want to play.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm almost positive that Boros is a phenomenal deck, and I'm not smart enough to play it or build it. I kind of like lose to it every other league, and then form my opinions based off of my hundreds of losses. Again, just like the diversity, and I think the way that you can build the top decks, the decks that I perceive to be the top decks, are why I think they're a top deck. Like, um, you know, even Blue Black sort of has this going on, right? Where like, I played against a blue black list that I was literally chatting with my opponent in MTGO chat. They were like, Yeah, I really respect the rant deck as well as um affinity. And like a way to get under both of those is to play four spell pierce and like just trim on like some of your fat and like um Anglers and like extra removal spells. And it's like, hey, I, I agree. That is a good way.
1: Not for nothing, this is an older piece of technology, but it checks out. Is Another way to get under people is to just play the old uh, Striped River Winder exhum Package. My Delver is a 5-5 five five hexproof. Right. Do something about it.
0: I don't know if you know this about me. My old favorite deck in Popper was Red Black Reanimator. And eventually yes. that turned into Jund Reanimator, where I wanted to play the like Striped River Winder, but it was like the green cycling big creature. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, what it's yeah. called the, anymore. The Sandworm. Because like, it couldn't be blocked by like all the little dudes that were running around. It's um... a 7-7. Seven,
1: seven, like. Yeah, because that was
0: like Boros and um, Stompy format sort of deal when I really got into that deck.
1: That's when I got into it as well, into the, the blue-black with Riverwinder.
0: Whenever somebody says like, Exhum, I like, feel my muscles tense. I'm like ready to cast Let's Exhum four it. times and it never resolves. That's what was going on in the format. If you don't know, now you know. I remember I was playing, like, four Shred Memory in my main deck to, like, really get, like, any other decks that were playing the Graveyard, but also could go tutor my Exhum. So it was like I had, like, eight exumes. Like, everybody was building those decks as, like, a glass cannon, and I was just, like, so intent on, like, no, this is, like, a mid-range deck. We're going to interact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's supposed to be broken, but I'm going to do it fair. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, to me, that was, like, a lot of the decks in Popper, you know, could apply pressure, but if you interacted like two times, sometimes they would stumble, and it was like, well, my deck is going to stumble doing its thing anyways, because it's Red Black Reanimator, you know, it's not good. <laughs> so it's like, I might as well make you stumble with me, and then you can't beat the 8-8. It's
1: like when you get Thought Seized playing Monoblue and Pioneer, and jokes on you, all of my cards are bad.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, to kind of refocus back on present day pauper, you know, the other main thing that I think is honestly really consistent with how these top decks play out. So, again, you know, this could be Affinity, this could be Blue-White Familiars, Green-Red, Boros, in either of the Fairies decks, is that they have this ability to establish some sort of value engine quickly. So, you know, within the first three or four turns. In some of those decks it's the first one or two but also they have a tendency to if your opponent's doing something be able to interact they just interact in different ways so you know with some of them it might be removing your opponent's stuff but like in a deck like green red it might just be okay i'm gonna sit back with my four fours and you can just never attack me or like um boros you know it might be like all right i'm just gonna present these flyers as blockers until i'm ready to have like a one or two turn kill with rally the ancestors you know, fairy decks, you're protecting the monarch, so on and so forth. So I think that that's where the real game in Popper lies, is establishing some sort of value engine, and just while you're setting that up, recognizing that your cards are good enough, that all you have to do is not die with them. And I think all of the top decks have the ability to do that.
1: And when we boil it down to that, affinity fits directly into that mold. It's not fundamentally different from that. That's the key difference, like... When there is an obvious, clear, far and away this deck is the best deck, it's usually doing something that breaks the rules of magic or that breaks the rules of engagement of the format. And you just laid them out and Affinity just does that. Maybe a half a turn faster.
0: I don't want all this to be like Christian doesn't think or Adam doesn't think that Affinity is a very good deck in popper. It is incredible. That like, <laughs> yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think, you know, play your eight sideboard cards, but just make sure, like, if, if your goal is to win, right, just choose a deck that either can functionally have more sideboard slots by having a lot of flex space and a lot of card selection or card advantage, or play a deck that's so strong that, you know, five sideboard cards is good for you. Like, I... I kid you not, in green-red, I ran through a league, and this probably ended up being in the challenge that I played this weekend where I was playing like seven cards for Affinity and four Weather the Storm on my sideboard. <laughs> and it's like I felt fine against everything else, you know? I stand by that, right? Four like,
1: Weather the Storm is a decision and I respect it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's good because if you cascade into it, you're weathering the Storm for two and if you don't cascade into it, your opponent casts, like, three burn spells and then quit.
1: <coughs> oh, that third one's on the stack. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, you know, some of the builds that, like, you play around with also just randomly get to play, like, Pulse morassa in the main deck. Because I've noticed, like, an uptick in some of these decks playing, like, low-to-the-ground removal to try and get your yeah. Arbor Elf. So it's, like, turn one, you'll play Arbor Elf, and they'll remove it. So turn two, you'll, um, you know, foretell your packmate. And they'll start pointing stuff at your face. So then, turn three, you'll pull some Marossen back, your Arbor Elf, and be good to go.
1: And also, just blank two bolts out of the burn deck. It's just it's. Well, there are no unitaskers in this house, <laughs> <laughs> right? <clears throat>
0: you know, and just to kind of touch on what I really felt like the last note is, and I know that we talked about it some already, is the main thing that I think Popper misses is just a mono creature aggro deck. I like playing those strategies. I'm hopeful that they come back. But just because the format is missing something like that doesn't mean that A, aggro is missing entirely. It also doesn't mean that creature based decks are missing entirely. It honestly also doesn't even mean that those decks have been fully explored. Like, I'm not convinced that there isn't like a green red deck somewhere out there that has nothing to do with ramp and is just like a sacrifice deck, probably also plays black that's just like an aggressive deck that plays lightning bolt to either remove my opponent's creatures or go face now i gotta start building stuff <laughs> hey baby that's your job i just you know play the format see what twitter is and uh be a contrarian for no reason you, you actually love it do though the, you actually do the hard work
1: i can't help it i like building decks especially if they're bad <laughs>
0: that's uh, the notes that I had on the format I don't know if you have kind of any other observations that you made over the past couple of weeks I've randomly started feeling really strongly about all these things I think it's just the uptick in the affinity discourse yeah. really made me go what do I think the best decks are in popper a lot of times I take that for granted that like normally I have like one or two decks that I just randomly think are the best And then I have the deck that I'm the most comfortable with, which at this moment, point in time, those are actually the same deck, which is good.
1: love it when that happens.
0: Yeah, but with the uptick in people talking about it, it made me fundamentally think about, like, what do we mean when we say best deck? Why are we calling Affinity the best deck? And what does calling it the best deck do to the thought process of people that are looking to really level up in the format?
1: I think the the biggest downside to a lot of the discourse surrounding Affinity as far and away best deck, if that's what you're going into the format with, it does you a massive disservice because a lot of people will just dismiss out of hand anything they don't think can line up well. In Any, anything they think is not fast enough. Because when you say Affinity, a lot of Magic players, especially the older ones like myself, whether intentional or not, we remember Skullclamp Disciple of the Vault Affinity. <laughs> you know, Affinity, oops, I killed you on turn three. We get traumatized by the visions of it. So we're just mortified of this deck when it's good and... the the discourse around something like that with that kind of a pedigree being the thing is probably going to turn some people away that otherwise would really enjoy the gameplay of the format
0: not to reference results because honestly like i really hate it whenever we're talking about something like this you know there are tons of decks that do really well in spite of how good affinity is and i know people are going to say you know you're holding Affinity down because you're playing... Like, the counter-argument to everything that we're saying about Affinity, right, is, like, when the standard for whether or not a deck is good is it has to be able to play seven to eight cards for Affinity in their sideboard and still have a reasonable matchup against the field, means that those random, spiky Tier 2 or Tier 3 decks can no longer have enough sideboard slots to actually be able to spike a tournament.
1: That's, That's a fair point.
0: I think that that is a good point. Kind of my point is, maybe something should be banned out of Affinity, but if you were looking to win a Magic tournament tomorrow, I wouldn't tell you to play Affinity. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Common Knowledge. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find me on Twitter at dad. Adam, where can they find you?
1: On Twitter at HomewardPathMTG. And if you want to get to know me outside of necessarily Magic, TikTok at Homeward Path Gaming.
0: Yeah. Wait, what about your phone number? Didn't you say that they could no. text you? No. <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> Laurie, I get just, too many of those as it is.
0: <laughs> been there. Um, you can also shoot us an email over at mtg at gmail.com. You can comment down below or uh, really make an effort to respond to every comment. You know, just wanted to thank our sponsors again, mtgo.com and game grid as well as the constructive criticism network for letting us be a part of it and last but certainly not least thank you for listening take very good care of each other and never stop brewing